Hello, welcome to the Get French Football News show. We have an answer to the question, which team in the Rhône-Alpes region is the least bad at football? And that is, provisionally at least, Saint-Étienne, under the impulse of their new manager, Claude Puel. Robert Berridge sprang like a jack-in-the-box at the last minute, pulling a Moussa Dembele in the derby against Lyon, and a 1-0 win for Les Verts leads Lyon to a managerial crisis, as they have just announced they will be changing managers. Luckily for them, they are not the only ones in crisis, as Marseille, Monaco and Rennes all lose again. And in the capital, meanwhile, PSG set the record straight by knocking the season's darlings, Angers, out of title contention. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Rich and Mo are both away this week, so I have a very novel panel for you today. We have Adrien Drill. Hello. Hi. Hi, hello. Good evening. Good to have you on. I think you made an appearance on the preview show earlier this season, correct? Um, I did. I did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, looking forward to having you again. And just as a reminder, you are a Paris fan, correct? I am. Very well. Well, you must be happy today. Also yep. with us today, it's a debut for Clinton McDubbus. Hi, Clinton. Hi, good evening. How are you doing? I'm fine. Very pleased to be on the show. It's great to have you. Now, you are a, a Valencia fan, which, of course, yeah. isn't in France. Do you have a, a favorite team in France? or? Well, I, I like Angers and I like Reims. So, ah, well, I, okay. I, I generally like you know, a lot of teams in France, which is what attracted me in the first place to French football. So... I can sympathize with that, absolutely. And it's good to have somewhat a neutral, maybe. Right. So let us begin, in that case, with uh, the, of course, the big match of the weekend, one of the biggest matches of the season every year. Saint-Étienne hosted Lyon uh, for uh, the Rhône-Alpes derby and obtained a last-minute win with Robert Berich scoring a spectacular header after a Riyad Boudébouz uh, cross. Adrien, for, for Saint-Étienne, who just changed their manager and brought in Claude Puel, I mean, what a fantastic start to the next era, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, it was the, the, the perfect way to, to bounce back after uh, several um, very disappointing weeks. And I mean, to win, a derby at the last minute and furthermore having a former Lyon manager on the bench was some, something very special I think for Saint-Étienne. Yeah and, and Clinton what an extraordinary moment that that last minute winner after what was probably not a, a very exciting match for most people. Yeah um, I think the the emotions that came with the last minute winner was enough entertainment for everyone in the end even though the game was really cagey and all of that. Um, it was great to see that. And it was great. It, it's always the best way to win a derby, scoring the last minute and like that. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm still kind of buzzing, even as a neutral from that moment, <laughs> the, the passion of all the players and the fans, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful to see. With such a late goal, absolutely. Um, but as you kind of mentioned, uh, it was, you know, the rest of the match was not very 
uh, exciting necessarily. Do you want to talk us through a little bit how the two teams set up uh, with a strong emphasis on, you know, defensive and, and secure tactics? Yeah, I, I think that um, for Claude Puel, it was understandable that he came into the game with that approach because, I mean, it was his first first game in charge. And um, for a match of that magnitude, you'd have to come in cautiously, especially because of the firepower that Leon have, you know, in attack. So it was it was a sensible thing to do, to come in and just be conservative and careful and then, you know, take your chances and all of that. But for Leon, it was a, as usual, a really strange approach for them because um, they are a team that have the ability to really beat teams into submission, even if you know it's a derby and the stakes are higher and all of that. Mm. But um, as we saw with Slovenia, time and time again, he just was never, you know, he just seemed like a bit of a coward, you know, with his selections <laughs> and all of that. And once again, we saw that. Um, it's almost like Leon don't want to attack you. They want to attack you, but they don't want to attack you. They are more more concerned about you know not giving up any um, defensive solidity. And I mean, the best way to avoid uh, you know inviting pressure is to be on the front foot. And Leon have the tools to be on the front foot and win games. But for some reason, um, Sylvania just decided to once again play conservative, be cautious, and all of that. And it backfired in the end. Because they lost in the last minute. Yeah. Yeah, Adrien, what what did you make of Lyon's approach? Obviously, as they're not in great form, but they had won during the midweek, and they were, you know, they've had a better start to the season than Saint Etienne. That much can be said, at least. But no, but it was very conservative, as as Clinton said, don't you yeah. think? Um, I I completely agree with him. Uh, I mean, what I found uh, quite interesting was the fact they. You know, they played brilliantly against uh, Leipzig, mm -hmm. um, even though uh, Timo Werner missed a couple of uh, chances. But, I mean, a win away at Leipzig is always something special considering their, their, their form at the moment. And I really thought, to be perfectly honest, that they would, I mean, be more entertaining in, in, in the derby because, you know, it's, it's always a special game. I mean, the Saint-Étienne and Lyon derby is one of the biggest games in France. And I mean, what I don't understand is um, Silvino's approach, as uh, Clinton uh, mentioned, is that, you know, he came with ideas and he doesn't really seem to, I mean, he didn't, uh, I, I'm talking at, I mean, past tense because he, he's gone now, but I mean, he didn't, uh, I mean, seem to be able to apply apply his ideas so that's that's a kind of a strange situation and i mean the the, the two big games lyon played it was um both times it was the, the same i mean the same um the same pattern if i may uh, mm -hmm. say so i mean they were inoffensive the whole game and they were punished in the end against psg was um thanks to I mean, Neymar punished them in the 87th minute and against Tantetien, Beric punished them in the uh, 92nd, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And, I mean, we could see it, especially yesterday, with the way in which he set up the midfield. There was a, a trio of, of Luca Tuzar, Usama War, and uh, Thiago Mendes, with Tuzar and Mendes playing as 
initially both playing quite uh, deep just in front of the defense. Awah a little bit unsure about his placement. Um, they switched it during the first half and, and left Tuzar a little bit further back and Mendes for, further forward. But it was a midfield that just wasn't working out at all um, until, you know, Awah had a couple chances in the second half. He had a disallowed goal. Uh, we should mention that as well. Uh, but he, the, both of those chances came from, you know, runs from the outside inwards, much away from the midfield play. And, you know, I, I mean, I think one of the questions a lot of people are asking, and, and I certainly wonder about this, is why did Jeff Renadelaide not play? He And he didn't play against Leipzig, Leipzig either, I don't think. Um, even though he, you know, he's been probably their best signing this season yeah. and one of their best midfielders. Um, so that that was quite disappointing from, from Lyon. And as we observed over the last few weeks, yeah, Silvino has tinkered tactically a lot, tried different formations, but never had any real ambition with the ball, never really, you know, wanted yeah. to cr- play with the ball and, and create offensively and yeah. seems to have been his, his downfall. Uh, meanwhile, Clinton, uh, Claude Puel, you know, he took a different approach from from Silvino. Well, they had a similar, both teams set up similarly tactically, but he brought in a lot of turnover from Saint-Étienne's match against Wolfsburg uh, after Saint-Étienne's match against Wolfsburg on Thursday. Changed a lot of players. Yeah, he did that. And um, I was really surprised to see, you know, some of those players on the bench. But at the same time, um, it's understandable because they had just played a, a European, European League game and mm-hmm. we know how these things work, playing on Thursday and then having to play on Sunday. It, it can have it, it can take it toll. So I think it was very brave of him. I was surprised when I saw the lineup because I still expected you know, that he would play some of the, the bigger players like Kazri. But um, in the end, it paid off. Uh, I think it was smart of him. I mean, he brought them on later to inflict you know, pain on Leon. It, it seemed that would probably have been tiring by that point. I mean, I guess that was an assumption. And um, Barrett came off the bench and he was able to grab the winner. But um, generally, I think that they were more adventurous than Leon, slightly more adventurous, despite mm-hmm. the fact that both set up you know, the same way. I mean, you could tell that they wanted to win the match. I don't know. Leon never come off as it seemed that really want to. I mean, Leon and Souvenir, that is. They don't come off as a team that really wants to attack you. I remember the game against PSG. I was so irritated by the approach. They, they, I think they took about 10 shots in the first half or something, and all of them were from outside the box. It was like they got to a certain point um, you know, in attack, and then they will just not do anything again. They will just hit, hit a long shot or something. And it was very, very... Um, I think it exemplified Souvenir's approach in that he, he just wanted to, he played for a draw and then of course it backfired, just like it backfired in, in this game as well. So, and I think the, the thing that annoys me the most about Leon's approach is that um, when Souvenir came in, he talked a lot about how <laughs> he wanted soul in his team, how he wanted to always be on the offensive, how he wanted like, to use the ball and all of that. Uh, player and you know. Yeah, all of that. He said all the right things in his press conference, all the things that the fans wanted to hear. And we just didn't see that 
on the pitch. It was co the complete opposite that he was doing. So um, I think Pure did well to you know take advantage of of you know a fumbling Leon and you know put the final nail in Sylvanus coughing. I, th I think it was it was great. But that that is what you get with an experienced manager who knows his stuff. That is what you get. That, that that's another thing I think we're going to touch on. The fact that Sylvanus is a relative rookie, at least in club management. And, yeah. Um, compared to Pure, I mean Pure just came in and. He already had the set ideas of what he wanted to do from his first game. He already knew how he was going to approach this game, and he did it, and he got the win. That's usually what you get with an experienced manager compared to a rookie. So, yeah. Experience is definitely the right word there. Uh, Puel is the most experienced ma manager in Ligue 1 in the 21st century. He has over 500 matches as a yeah. manager, and you know he had over 500 as a player in Ligue 1 as well. So he's someone who clearly knows the French League very yeah. well. And Adrien, one of Pierre's other defining characteristics is his ability to bring out young players. And we saw that again yesterday with some of the audacious choices that he made in the starting lineup. Obviously, William Saliba was uh, back from injury, yeah. so able to play. But also uh, Charles Abi, 19 years old, and Zaidou Youssouf, 20 years old. What did you think of, of the decision to launch those players in such a big match? Well, um, I think it was very brave of him. I mean, to make such uh, an, an important choice. Um, and because maybe I think, uh, as we previously said, um, you know, that, that game against Wolfsburg in the Europa League, you know, um, the most of the... Um, the players starting in the, um, I mean, most of the important Saint-Étienne players started this game. And so, I mean, they were maybe a bit tired. So he, he, he chose to, to put um, young youngsters in the team. And I think he, they proved him right. I mean, because in the end, there's a victory. And uh, I didn't see the game in, I mean, very uh, specifically, but I mean, it's it's something he does, Claude Puel, to uh, launch young young players in all the teams he's um, he's um, he's been in, and uh, he, he I mean he did it at Nice, he he did it at Lyon when he was at Lyon, and yeah, I think he's it's one of his trademarks in Ligue 1, and that's what that's why he's known for as well. So I mean, do doing it in the in derby that that was kind of. I mean, uh, bold, but it paid off. Mm. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, he managed Lyon before. I, I, we should have said this earlier. So it was quite a quite a special first yeah. fixture for him, especially given the way he left Lyon. Uh, didn't, didn't have a lot of friends there by the time he left, let's say. Um, so that still wasn't enough for Saint-Étienne fans to kind of question his loyalties. But after a win like that, he's, he's definitely won their heart. That brings Saint-Étienne up to 11 points, two points ahead of Lyon with that victory. Uh, this takes us really to the big news of tonight. Just a, about an hour ago, Lyon announced that they had uh, started a procedure to uh, that could potentially lead to uh, the rupture of Silvino's contract, which is French legal language for Silvino is getting replaced. 
it was unavoidable after a week like this, maybe? What do you think, Adrien? Um, I don't know if it, it was unavoidable, but I mean, um, this, this uh, of course, when you lose a derby, I mean, at the last minute, and uh, having shown nothing during the, during that game, I mean, you don't. I mean, Jean-Michel Olas is uh, never going to be happy with, with with that. And um, I mean, I think Olas. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to say that he made the right decision, but I mean, he this thing was maybe going to happen. Uh, I mean, I don't think Silvino, if he had um, um, kept, uh, I mean, playing Lyon like this, he, he wouldn't have uh, um, lasted the entire season. So, I mean, yeah, I think just it, because that game was the, the, the moment that uh, finally, um, that Olas chose to finally, um, it, I mean, it, conf it comforted his, uh, his uh, previous um, feeling about Silvino. And I think, yeah, losing a derby is mm. something excusable. And yeah, but uh, Clinton, there's definitely some question about uh, how Lyon are, 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 are taking responsibility for what has gone on in the start of the season. Um, particularly, I mean, don't you think that the way in which Jean-Michel Olas and, and Juninho and Silvino a little bit, even though he's not relevant anymore, I guess, they've often been deflecting questions or deflecting the blame to, to one another, trying to avoid being responsible for this. Yeah. That's something they're going to have to solve no matter who the next manager is, correct? Yes, definitely. Um... Anyway, from the start, I never understood the, um, the decision by Olas to go with Sovino. I mean, go with Juninho. Juninho oh. um, selected Sovino. So, yeah. I mean, putting the responsibility at this point in time on Juninho was, like, really huge because um, Leon, uh, or at least at, at the start of the season or in preseason, or at the end of last season, Leon were in a position where they had been hovering just below the elite for a while. They needed to move to the next level, to take him to the elite level with the others. They have the players, they have the, they have everything they need. And I, I believe they had enough money to go after a quality manager with experience and an understanding of, you know, how these things work. And I, I, I thought, I mean, Olas was also giving hints about, you know, Mourinho and all of that. And then eventually, he settled with Juninho's choice of Silvino, who had not managed at any club before. So it was a bit of an anticlimax. It was a very underwhelming appointment and a big gamble. So in the end, um, for everything that goes on with Silvino, Juninho, I mean, Olas has to take the biggest responsibility because it was on his watch that that happened. And I really just never understood you know, giving that responsibility to Juninho to hire the manager. I mean, of course, I can understand if you both sit down, I mean, if, if you had sat down with um, Juninho and said, okay, this this is what I want for my team, this, all of that. But it just seemed like he completely left the decision in the hands of Juninho and mm. Juninho made that decision. So, of course, Juninho also takes a lot of the blame, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the blame also away from Olas, who allowed that to happen under his watch. 
they, I feel like Leon missed a big opportunity this summer. And also remember, um, I think Benitez was also linked with the job. And was Benitez he? hadn't oh. even left. Yeah, I heard rumors about Benitez back then. And Benitez hadn't even left Newcastle at the time. But immediately after Souvenir was appointed, about like a week or two weeks later, I think Benitez left Newcastle job and then he was available. I mean, if you have managers like that around, surely, I mean, um, you have uh, Manuel Pellegrini. Of course, he doesn't really have like legal experience, but that's an experienced manager who, who has been in different countries. You have him at West Ham. Hmm. I mean, Leon is a Champions League club. So, yeah. no disrespect to West Ham, of course, but Leon is a Champions <laughs> League club. So, if you're going to um, look around for managers, you can, you have a lot to use to attract them to a club of Leon's stature. And I mean, going for that appointment was just completely unexpected and surprising. And I mean, it was a big gamble, and it's a gamble that hasn't paid off. So everyone has their own share of responsibility, but I'll put it mostly on Olas and then Junior. I feel like they should sort it out now. You know, now yeah, it's certainly. an early opportunity to sort that out, sort out the communication be- between everyone, because I mean, it's not a case of all everyone for himself. It should be about the club, the institution. Let's work together to move this club forward. It shouldn't even be about apportioning blames for them. It should be about, okay, how do we resolve the situation? How do we move things forward? How do we get Leon to the level that we want Leon to be at? Yeah, certainly. And, and Lyon have usually been quite good at, you know, keeping the institution's interests um, at the center of, of their attention. It, 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 which is funny. I mean, it, it sounds like you have some ideas of, of possible replacements already, Clinton. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all, all of whom were 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 foreign, whereas Silvino, which was an it was interesting because Silvino was, you know, the first time that Olas hired a non-French manager, um, and he yeah. almost always, in fact, hires a manager that has some historic uh, connection with Lyon. So yeah. yeah. I'm not but, sure. I, I mean, the the selection of Juninho was a sentimental choice with respect to you know connection with the That's club. True, yeah. So I guess he he thought that could translate to you know the same thing with Juninho. But I always felt that if you're going to step out of your comfort zone, that is hiring French managers or something, mm-hmm. if you're going to step out of that for once, then you have to go for a marquee uh, manager or something you have to go big mm. so i mean if you are if you're going to go for a rookie go for a someone who is used to legal or something or someone who understands the culture of france and the significance of Lyon in terms of french football someone who understands that's if you're going to take that gamble yeah adrien about yeah. that uh the, so Lyon announced in their announcement they said that uh, you know at least for now uh, training would be run by Gérard Baticle who has been uh, on the Lyon staff for many years now um, under the supervision of, of Juninho. Do we think that Gérard Baticle, who by the way I mean we hear him very often on French TV, he gets interviewed uh, pitch side during the match pretty much every time. And he always, in my opinion, has very insightful comments to bring. Do you think he might be an option for Lyon in the same way that, Juni, that Genesio had been, uh, you know, assistant manager and then became manager through in the middle of the season? 
Um, well, to be fair, I don't. I think yeah, I think he would probably be the the manager for the maybe the rest of the season or or maybe until the winter break. Um, but um, I mean, if he manages to put Lyon back on tracks, I mean, why why not? I mean, he's French. He's he knows. Uh, he's a fam- he's familiar to Jean-Michel Aulas. He's um, he knows the club very well. So yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, it could be the same the same pattern as as Genesio indeed. Yeah, one to look out for uh, during the international break. Um, before we move on, I'll just uh, th- I'll give the closing words to uh, Saint Etienne co-president Roland Romeyer, who I yeah. mean we didn't we didn't mention Gislain Printemps, who obviously was uh, sacked from Saint Etienne on Friday yeah. morning and replaced by Claude Puel. Romeyer said in a, a very cold-hearted fashion that in life there are number twos and there are number ones, and that some people can't make the jump. So he was, you know, clearly talking about Printemps, who's traditionally been an assistant manager. Interesting to note that Silvino was also an assistant manager before this <laughs> summer. So slightly prophetic words from, from Romeyer on that one. Yeah, and not right. to mention, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, just to end up with this, I'm, I'm in, I mean, I think Romeyer should have uh, remained quiet. I mean, this is not the kind of... Uh, of statement you make after firing your your coach and you know it's it's just hard i mean it's it's co- yet yeah, cold-hearted and useless i mean he could mm. have just said nothing and i mean yeah i was i mean that's the kind of person he is in my opinion i don't really personally uh, like him and yeah yeah no just, i i agree that was uh We've kind of come to expect that from him, I would say. Um, right, so let's move on to the match on Saturday afternoon between PSG and Angers. A lot of people, myself included, were kind of optimistically and and uh, maybe humorously hoping that Angers would continue their fantastic start to the season and and cause some problems to PSG. But really, it was a routine day for uh, PSG, back to their winning manners. Adrien, what did you make of this one? Well, um, yeah, I think, as you said, it was, um, I mean, surprisingly or unsurprisingly a routine game for PSG. I mean, um, what I really uh, liked was the um, the fact that... The, all the new signings, I mean, um, played a big part in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Icardi, Gay, or Sarabia. And, um, I mean, yeah, they all scored. And um, it was, I mean, I mean, they were like, everybody were, Everybody on the pitch was like focused and, yeah, calm. Checo Silva, once again, very, um, very reassuring uh, at the back. And, I mean, yeah. Um, steady performance from 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 Paris, I should say. Yeah, uh, after a uh, that was a four nil win. I should have mentioned, and that was without Mbappe or uh, Cavani, uh, even with Di Maria on the bench. Adrien, there's some suggestion that you know Sarabia, who scored the first goal and had some other chances too, 
plays better without Di Maria on the pitch. That they, you know, he's more compatible with the rest of the team without Di Maria in the same or similar zone. What do you think of that argument? Um, well, I, I hadn't noticed uh, noticed it, but I, I think you're right. I mean, I think yeah, uh, he has the kind of same profile as Di Maria. You know, he likes to play on the right and cut inside his left foot. Just like you know, like some kind of Aryan Robin uh, thing, mm-hmm. and um, I think yeah, uh, I mean that's interesting to see that it's a big difference with uh, last year's PSG. I mean, uh, you know the the squad depth of um, that Tuchel that Thomas Tuchel has is impressive, and it's kind of some rich problem, you know, to have. <laughs> um, player like Sarabia, I mean, I think he's a very, very good signing because he can play everywhere. He's not um, he's not saying anything. He's professional again, and, and and he's he's performing. I mean, he's assisting, he's scoring. I think he scored. I mean, obviously he scored against Angers, but I think he assisted as well. Uh, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. yeah, two assists. Yeah, yeah, two assists and a goal. Yeah, so that oh, that's yeah. that's amazing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think this was uh, PSG's best match of the season, excepting, of course, Real Madrid? Um, in Liga, yeah, probably. I mean, they mastered it uh, quite well. So, yeah. Right. So interesting to see that their form is up again. Uh, Clinton, a word for Angers, maybe. You know, they've had a great start to the season, of course, but. We know their weakness is uh, is playing away, and obviously they lost six nil yeah. to Silvino's Lyon back in August. <laughs> Today again, uh, or on Saturday again, it was a it was a rough it one for them. It was expected, um, but I, although I didn't I didn't think the score would be that high. Four zero is a lot, but mm. um, I mean it's something that we kind of expect. To be honest, um, I think Angers are better served using their energy for the more um, winnable games. It's mm. not, of course, it's yeah. not. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that they should come into games like this defeatist. But at the same time, um, it's not the result that they should think too much about going to the next game. It's. I mean, it's a routine win. It was a routine win for PSG, but it wasn't from a lack of effort. They did okay, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, bar some few errors here and there. But um, overall, I think that they would bounce back from it pretty fast. Um, like they did. You know, I mean, after the Lyon game, they won their next game 3 0 against Mets. So the key is to bounce back from these defeats. Um, I'm, I'm sure they will do better in the second leg when they play Lyon, uh, when they play PSG at home later in the season. So, yeah. yeah, well, still a ways to go before then. Obviously, they have a couple of weeks now to kind of recover and 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 prepare for the next matches. Uh, their following one will be at home to Brest, so you would imagine that's a, a, a winnable one uh, yeah. for them. With that loss, they are no longer second in Ligue 1. That is surprisingly, probably even more surprisingly, I would say, uh, Nantes. Nope. Uh, yeah. Nantes beat Nice 1-0 on Saturday. They're now... So they're mm. now... Second with 19 points from only nine goals all season. That's that's astounding, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, 
and it's, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, um, Moses Simon was the only scorer in that match. Uh, he celebrated with the longest succession of, of backflips I've ever seen from any footballer. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> that, was, that was some Olympic gym, gymnastics <laughs> performance level. Um, and, and, yeah, sorry, go. Just, uh, yeah, just talk about this um, Moses Simon. Um, I mean... I, I think he was playing in Belgium before, if mm -hmm. I'm, I'm right, correct. And uh, I remember yeah. uh, seeing a couple games uh, of him, and you know, I think he's a very good signing because he has proven to be. I mean, he's he has scored several goals uh, for for Nantes already, and he's very he's rapid. He's um, he's not very tall, but he's able to score with his head, and I think that's a, a smart signing from 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 Nantes. Yeah, he's actually on loan from um, Levante, but yeah. he oh. played in Belgium oh. before that. Oh. Yeah, he played okay. in Belgium before that um, at Ghent. Yeah, yeah, Ghent. Okay. And uh, a, a Nigerian international, I see. Pretty experienced, Clinton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I'm very very excited. Oh, I get very excited when Nigerian players move to France because I think um, huh. Ligon, Ligon is. A, a fantastic place to play in, and it's also a very good place to develop without as much pressure uh, as you'd get in, say, the Premier League or something. In in there's no media. I don't know if you get what I mean. The media isn't as crazy, and they don't yeah. put that much pressure. And you also have managers who are invested in your development. It's not cutthroat to the extent where players can't develop. Players can't, or players aren't allowed to have a poor period or bad games and all of that. So that's why, like, I, I get really excited when Nigerian players move to France. And now we're seeing um, there's some some more Kalu in Bordeaux, and of course Osimhen in Lille, and it's very exciting for me seeing them. So Sam is also another person I've been following his progress this season, and I think he's done pretty well. Um, a pretty decent dribbler and the threat mm -hmm. he's a constant threat that's the best part he's a constant threat for nuns going forward so it's great to see yeah yeah he was very active on saturday he had a, quite a few chances uh before the goal let's move now to uh, another of the uh, big surprises from the weekend well probably the biggest surprise from the weekend marseille who obviously are not the most informed team in Ligue 1 at the moment, travelled to Amiens and Marseille, they were granted the wish of putting an end to their streak of draws. They had drawn the previous three Ligue 1 matches. <laughs> this time they lost to a, a, a valorous Amiens team. Uh, Clinton, for Marseille, I mean, it just keeps getting worse somehow. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a difficult season. I, I predicted that. I mean, everyone could see that it was going to be a difficult season for them, considering how their summer went, and then the fact that Dovin is out till January, Empire got himself suspended, and the ins and outs. I mean, injuries, suspensions, and all of that. The team isn't really playing. I mean, um, AVB does not have his full. Full eleven to work with, so it's it's really difficult. And I mean, 
of course, we, we can't also take anything away from Amion, who played really well. And the, the, their strategy was very, very, very effective. Mm. They, they, they took in all the pressure from uh, Marseille and just shut them down in the final third. And then when they had the opportunities to go forward, they, they were very effective with it. So I think that um, Marseille still have a lot of work to do. Um, but fortunately for them, they aren't so far behind on the table. Their age, I mean, it could be worse. They could be Lyon, who are 14th <laughs> or Saint-Étienne. So it's not that bad. Um, but still, three wins out of nine is not good enough. So they would have to do better and, I mean, make better use of... I, for me, I, like in that game, I, I had an issue with Sanson. Uh, Morgan Sanson, I, mm-hmm. I felt, I, I don't know, he's he's a really good player. You can see that he has the ability, but sometimes his decision-making can be so frustrating. And I think one of the things that uh, holding um, Marseille back, and hopefully when they have Payet back, it will help. Uh, I mean, this game also, they played them, um, Jermaine, out wide. And Jermaine, I don't know, he, I, I don't rate him in his natural position <laughs> up front. So how much, how, I mean, it's worse when he now has to play away from there. And it's just it's just really difficult. But um, one positive, though, for them was that um, Valentin Ranger got to start and he had a pretty good game. So I think hopefully they can build from that. But they really need to do better and they need to get wins now. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and and Adrien, Steph Mandanda was, you know, even though he conceded three goals, he was quite good again. The first goal was, it would have been an amazing save for, from him if it had been, you know, a few centimeters closer to the line. And he's back in the French team now. He's had a very strong start to the season. What, what do you make of that? Well, um, I mean, Mandanda seems to be, um, I mean, immortal, yeah, you know, every season, everybody <laughs> says, uh, you know, oh, he's done, he's, he's, it's probably going to be his last season. And every single season, he he still proves everybody wrong. I mean, and um, I mean, he's been good for Marseille. I mean, hopefully for them, he's been quite good because if, if not, um, I mean, Marseille would have been in bigger trouble but um, I mean yeah and he um, he's back uh, as a probable um, starter for France I think because after Loris uh, Loris's injury so mm. yeah that's a good uh, reward for, th- for him I think I mean not Loris's injury but the fact I mean the, the circumstances that to be back make- in the team yeah 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 he's gone from out of the squad to yeah. likely number one in, in, in one yeah. international mm. break. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some other striking moments from the match. Obviously, uh, Benedetto scored again for Marseille. It was a great yeah. finish, if you ask great. me. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like one of those Aubameyang goals from outside the box <laughs> where you just think, yeah. how can he shoot that so quickly? Yeah. Uh, great goal. He surrounded five, five defenders and he's still... Get the shot. Yeah, into the side netting. And also, uh, the, for Amiens, their first goal came from a cross from Gael Kakuta, 
who I mean, he it was lovely footwork from him to kind of yeah. free himself and put that ball in, and he had he had a great game as well. Clinton Amiens have only nine points this season, but seven of those points have come against Lyon, Lille, and Marseille. How how did they pull that off? <laughs> I think that um, some teams are better playing against teams that are better than them. It sounds absurd, but it's actually the truth. I think it also applies to them because when you're playing against teams that are, you know, obviously better than you, to be fair, um, you you really don't have the pressure of going all out to try to win the game. If you compare that to playing against um, fellow relegation strugglers or something, then you have to take the initiative at different points. But when you're playing a Marseille, you are comfortable sitting back and letting them, you know, have the ball. Then you know, taking um, taking advantage of the mistakes, you know, they've been they, they've made or the spaces they've left behind. So I think that's what um, Amir are quite good at. They seem to be really good against the bigger teams, and then when they face, you know, the smaller ones, they they they, they struggle. So. Um, I think that's probably the, exp- the best exp- explanation I can give in that mm. they are better playing against teams that have to take the initiative against them and leave spaces behind for them to exploit because they are really good at exploiting you know, spaces and all of that. So. I, know it, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I know what you mean by teams that play better against, you know, better teams than themselves. Um, and there was, I mean, loads of them on show this weekend, which we'll get to... Uh, next, let's turn to the Stadist uh, derby, if you will, between Stade René and uh, Stade de Reims, who were playing away in Brittany, and they pulled off a 1-0 win against uh, the holding French Cup champions. Clinton, Reims continue to beat these big teams over and over, and meanwhile, Rennes are... are you know, they're, they've gone a long time without a win now. Yeah, it's it's remarkable that um, Rhymes are so good, um, in especially in this kind of games. I mean, it's their defense is ridiculously good. Um, <laughs> I think they've considered just five five goals, and um, Rajkovic has um, kept how many clean sheets? Six, about six clean sheets now. And it's remarkable yeah. they kept a clean sheet against against PSG. They kept a clean sheet against Lille. Mm-hmm. They kept a clean sheet away at Marseille. Mm-hmm. And then they kept a clean sheet once again. And, I mean, it's remarkable. Which is also why it was surprising that they, they lost 2-1 at home to Dijon the other, like, last week. Because, yeah. I mean, they had, they had considered only two goals, I think, before that. And then they went and considered two goals in one game against John, who were struggling to score. So, I mean, that's, I guess that's how football is. But um, against one, they could have scored I mean, three, four goals. They, 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 they played to perfection and they handled it really well. And, I mean, it just seemed like one oh, were out of ideas against them. So, it, it was great to see. Um, for for Ron, I don't know what their problem is, but their recent form has been disturbing. They've they've lost um, mm-hmm. three of their last. In fact, their last win was against Strasbourg. That that was in August. So they really really need to sort out whatever is wrong with them. I, I can't I can't quite place 
why they can't they can't put together a win because I mean they're not a bad side of course and they've already beaten PSG this season. In fact, they started fantastically well. They they started with three wins at the start of the season, and then after that they've just completely gone off. So they they really need to sort out their problems and get back on track. Their next game is away at Monaco, so that's not going to be easy. But um, I figure they should be able to get back on track really soon. Yeah. Yeah. Our our friend Rich has pointed out several times recently that they have a problem Ren, with with uh, keeping the lead when they're the first team to score. Well, that wasn't the case on on uh, Sunday, of course. But you know. Yeah, eight, eight matches without a win. That's that's a tough run for them. Uh, we should mention as well, very quickly, that uh, Boulaidia has scored in each of those big away wins for Reims. He scored in, in Marseille, in Paris, Marseille, yeah. and now in Rennes. So, uh, yeah. good start to the season for him. Uh, I think I think um, Reims have an interesting team. And, for example, the, the fact they managed to keep um, Rémi Houdin Mm. Yeah, he's a. Uh, was almost out. Yeah, I mean, was he meant? Was he not meant to to leave? I think he, he was, was meant yeah, to. He came very close to leaving. Yeah, it all it all went place. wrong with with Fiorentina. They yeah. they got they kind yeah. of got yeah. tricked by Fiorentina, who were just applying doing it as leverage, um, and they got the guy they really wanted, which was uh, Rashid Gezal. Uh, yeah. That was un- unlucky for Udin, who who did want to leave. Uh, he's a very good league. Pl- I mean, a very good player. Very. He, I think he gave, he 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 got an assist. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he was on the sustainable. Very yeah, nice pass. Very entertaining to watch. Yeah, he did very well. Uh, Adrien, tell us about Montpellier Monaco. Uh, an exciting win for Montpellier, three one, and for their holy trinity of uh, Mollet Laborde Delors, which. I am always very excited to hear about. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you know, um, something I've I've noticed is that you know, you know, attacking duos are not that very not not, not that common in modern football. You know, mm. you about formerly like I don't know Manchester United, like Andy Cole and his colleague and uh, at France, but you know. Um, I think Montpellier played really well, and um, Florian Florian Mollet was very good once once again. And um, maybe, I mean, Monaco was very disappointing mm. on the opposite. I mean, they're really, really, really inconsistent. Uh, I don't really understand what's what's going on in this team. Uh, the only good thing that uh, that happened. To, to Monaco this season was the fact they bought uh, Slimani and Benyder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, another good um, attacking partnership um, that is really, really effective. And they're really like, um, I don't know if it's, if I can say this in English, but like complementary. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, works, absolutely. It, it it works really well, really well between them, and I mean that's a shame that Monaco's defense is very poor and very you know um, inconsistent. I mean. Yes, Benyeder scoring from a Slimani assist again. Uh, goal, lovely chip, yeah, great chip. And Slimani has the most assists in Ligue 1 with 
Six, five. which is you mean Trinity six, no. five or six? Five. I think it's five. Yeah. Oh, I thought that five. was the sixth. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's six now with this one. Oh, it's six. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, great start for the two of them, even though they maybe chose the wrong team. Um, <laughs> Golovin was uh, sent off as well. Uh, we should mention that before we move on to Lille Nîmes two two. Lille failing to win at home for the first time in eight matches, um, even though Clinton, Victor Simhan scored again. Yeah, he scored again. It's like he can't stop scoring at <laughs> home. Yeah. When they go away, they struggle to score, but once they are home, Simhan just pops again. I, there's just, I don't know, he just seems to be at the right place at the right time. He's, he's such a, a smart player who senses danger. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, there were high expectations of him when he joined, but I don't think anybody expected that he would, you know, become so important so fast. And mm-hmm. he's he's done really well. He saved he saved them from I mean, a defeat uh, because um, Nims were running away with that. Um, Kevin Denke, I had been talking about him for a while. Uh, Nims striker, came, yeah. Yeah, he came off the bench twice and scored within... Like, he had played about six minutes and he had to go already <laughs> this season. And then, yeah. finally, he he got to start, you know, this match and he scored, of course. So, I think he's he's really showing himself. But we now have um, cost to worry because um, when... Their away form is really bad, right? They, they mm. When they play away, they are, they are so poor and then they end up losing. But when they come home, they win now. For them to now play and not win at home, it's a problem already. Because if you can't win away, at least you should be winning at home. Um, Font Font made a bad mistake. Um, yeah. Good penalty. Yeah, really, really poor mistake. And yeah. I think their cracks are starting to show. But um, they should be all right eventually. But they 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 they're inconsistent, and the inconsistency is still still a problem so i think they have to sort that out but for names it was a really good result and i mean a win would have been perfect but still it wasn't bad and i, I love that names team because i feel that they they are so they're such a smart interesting team to see before the season started when they were selling everybody i was saying oh okay <laughs> prime candidates for education but you know, after seeing them you know, three, four matches into the season, I said, no way are these guys getting relegated. No way. Because they seem to have, like, a structure, a proper setup that just works. And, of course, Zinedine um, Ferrat, always, always so effective and so brilliant for them. So, I think they'll be fine. Great result for them. Yeah, they have a, they're a team with, with values and, and with courage. No yeah. matter who plays, it seems to be. Um also a talking point at Lille is that Jonathan Ikone and Jonathan Bamba are both a little bit out of form this season and and I mean Lille could be expecting more from from both of them instead of just yeah. relying on Osim Hen. Uh, let's talk about one more match from the weekend. Uh, Adrien, the derby of the Garonne uh, yeah. between Toulouse and Bordeaux. Bordeaux now in fourth with a 3-1 win. Yeah, um, pretty pretty impressive win from from Bordeaux. Um, I mean, against arc enemies uh, Toulouse, um, Toulouse that you know recently um, appointed um, 
Is it Pascal Duprat back again? I think. No, he went to Caen. You're thinking, oh. you're thinking Alain Casanova. He came back to Toulouse, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm misspoken. My bad, my bad. Alain Casanova. Yeah, anyway, and um, I think, yeah, impressive win um, from Bordeaux. I mean, um, nobody really talks about them, but I mean, I think mm. they're. Uh, I mean, they they play well and they have interesting players. I mean, like Kalu or the Korean Huang. Yeah. Who scored absolute cream. Stunner. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, against, you know, a shy opposition of Toulouse, I mean, Kuluris scored uh, the Greek forward, but not enough to, to bounce back. And yeah, I mean, nice win from, from Bordeaux, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last two matches from the weekend uh, were Dijon 1, Strasbourg 0. The goal scorer, Steffi Mavididi, formerly of Arsenal, now on loan from Juventus, his first goal in Ligue 1, so good for him. Uh, and another match between two promoted sides, Brest 2, Metz 0. Another assist from, from Johan Cour, who's uh, now on five, just one behind Slimani. And Metz sit bottom of the league. In Ligue 2, Lorient are five points clear, despite a 0-0 draw with uh, Ajaccio. Behind them, Sochaux have surged into second place, thanks to a hat-trick by Abdoulaye Sané in their 4-0 win over the weekend. Uh, it was Pascal Duprat's first match in charge at Caen, uh, and the Normans obtained a 1-1 draw at home to Châteauroux. Uh, some positives there from, from what I've heard, some more energy from the players, and, and certainly the fans were behind them. It is a tough life for Caen fans these days, though. Guingamp, who changed managers as well recently, they won again, and they climbed to 7th. Uh, and meanwhile, at the bottom, Paris FC... Paris FC obtained their first win of the season thanks to an own goal uh, from Troyes. That was a 1-0 win. Jeremy Menez made his debut coming on for another uh, Ligue 1 household name, Jonathan Pitropa. Uh, no sign yet of Lamine Diaby Fatigado, who uh, you probably have heard got sacked from Nice for stealing a watch. Uh, he didn't play, and he actually risks a seven-match suspension because of a, U, a red card in a U, in a U19 team, uh, not because of any uh, watch stealing. Watch. <laughs> um, from the women's side, no league this weekend as it's international break. France play tomorrow in Kazakhstan. Uh, they also played last Friday, back on Friday, uh, down in Nîmes against Iceland. 4-0 win for France. Uh, Le, Sommer scored Le Sommer scored twice. Cascarino and Majri added to that in the second half. Uh, interesting to see as well that uh, Marie-Antoinette Catoto from, from PSG was back in the squad, although she didn't play on Friday. Uh, we'll see for tomorrow. Right, that brings us to another France-Iceland match, uh, which takes place next Friday, correct? I should have... I should have written this down. Anyways, France are playing over in Iceland. Uh, and uh, Adrien, there's been a, a cascade of injuries for the France squad in the last few days, yeah, which have been. changed Deschamps' plans. Um, it changed, yeah, a little bit. Um, well, I think the most uh, memorable was uh, obviously Hugo Lloris' uh, injury during uh, that Brighton game. Mm. 
um, horrible injury, by the way. I saw it, saw it live. It was a bit uh, shocking. But, I mean, yeah, so it, Mike Mignon um, joined the team as a backup, and which probably we'll see uh, Steve Marnada start. Uh, I mean, be the num- become the number one. And uh, mm-hmm. I have the list there, and I see there's Kurt Zuma as well. Yep. Yeah. And um, Olivier Giroud is in as well, despite of course. not playing anymore <laughs> at Chelsea. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, quite a standard list. And sorry as well, Giroud City Bay uh, is uh, in uh, replacing... Leo Dubois, Dubois. Yeah. yeah. Dubois, who got injured last night. Uh, we didn't mention, yeah, that Lyon finished with 10 men uh, after Dubois' injury. Um, no Pogba as well, who, who uh, pulled out before the list was announced. Uh, Mbappe and Lucas Hernandez, both training okay. separately today with the French squad. There was some tension with Bayern Munich, who didn't yeah. want to allow Lucas to go. Uh, are like, you know... Uh, too much in national teams, like they're doing the same with German national team. I Germany. think yeah. goalkeepers, you know. I mean, they should you know, take care of their own business. If I if I may express my my my, my feelings like this, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, national break is the same thing for every every team. So I mean, yeah, and actually, it, it was quite interesting that uh, when when Bayern Munich said they didn't want Lucas to go. Shortly after that, Manchester City announced that Benjamin Mendy was injured. Uh, yeah. So to avoid him being called up as a replacement for Lucas. But Lucas has finally uh, come to the French team. So that's uh, good to have him. So, uh, Clinton, it's Iceland this week away. So I don't know what kind of pitch they have up in Reykjavik. Uh, but it might be quite an interesting experience. There's been a lot of... of France-Iceland matches in the last few years, but the last time we played them in Iceland was, I think, in the 90s. Do you think this is going to be a, a tough fixture? Oh, yeah, it will definitely be a tough game because um, Iceland just have a way of turning up you know, to games like this, especially at home. So um, it's not going to be smooth sailing, but I believe that France will be able to get through. They have enough. If, if Mbappe was not around, I may... I better be a bit skeptical about their chances, but <laughs> I mean, as long as Kilian is there and then the other guys, uh, they should be able to get a win. But it's going to be difficult, though. Probably a slim win, maybe two one or something. But they should be able to get a win. Yeah. Adrian, do you have a favorite memory of of the last few matches against Iceland? Um. Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, the Euro 2016 game yeah. where France uh, thrashed uh, Iceland. But I, I think that one of the last time uh, France met Iceland, uh, it was complicated game. I think it, it, it was a draw. I, I don't remember exactly. Uh, that, uh, that was a friendly, I think. Yeah. That was before the last one. The last one was the game where Mbappe did that... Um, Fantastic assist for, I think that was the game he did the assist for Griezmann. Yeah, mm. you're right. Yeah, well, yeah, I think the 2 2 in a friendly. It's always difficult against, you know, yeah. whole 
told Iceland Icelanders. I don't know how you say people living in Iceland, but yeah, I, yeah, Icelandics. I think Icelandics. I'm not sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's it. Icelandic. Yeah, it's never easy, and you know, uh, they're gonna be the the they have to be focused and I mean ready to like fight because it's you know it's up there in in Iceland it's yeah like small stadium I don't know how the pitch is gonna look like as you said and yeah and you know they have to win because it's Turkey up next so not an easy game neither yeah but also keep in mind that there's a a very important match against Turkey as well uh a few days after uh, Turkey being the team that uh that beat France back in June. So it'll be interesting to follow uh, Didier Deschamps' team selection. Clinton, do you have any score predictions for, for, for this game? Oh, I, I have just one prediction, and that's that Giroud starts. <laughs> <laughs> Giroud starts. Of course. One, of course. <laughs> but, he needs yeah, some I mean, minutes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think um, Didier likes to change things so much. So you'd expect that he would go with a similar um, lineup to what we had in the last game. So probably yeah. the, the more obvious ones. With some changes speedy. because of the injuries and, and all that. Injuries, but, yeah. yeah. But Mandanda will definitely start because um, mm -hmm. no way Ariola gets a start and no way Mignon <laughs> gets as well. So. Well, Deschamps said this morning, yeah, that, that Mondanda would be number one. Uh, I think, yeah, there, there's another player I think that probably will start or obviously will play. It's Blaise Matuidi. He's been very, Definitely. very good for, 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 for Juventus mm. uh, yeah. last few games. I mean, he even played at left back, I think. Oh, wow. And yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's the kind of player like, you know, like Musa Soko. I mean, Everybody uh, feels they're never going to have their chance. But in fact, they're always playing because they are yeah. so useful. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll put a money on Blaise Matuidi or Musa Soko to start the game because, you know, physical player, physical uh, game. So I think, yeah. yeah. And I think who would you front, say? Sorry, go for it. Sorry. Oh, I think up front, um, Giroud, Griezmann, and if Mbappe is not fit, enough to start um, then probably Coman oh Coman yeah, yeah. He, he was absolutely amazing in the last two games so certainly and do we think uh, Longley with Varane at the back or Kimpembe maybe well I think yeah. Longley Varane no. yeah I, I agree okay Adrien yeah. your score prediction my, my score prediction yeah. Um, I'd say classic Deschamps one nil. <laughs> is that is that a thing? A classic one nil? I don't know if we. <laughs> it's a classic, but I mean, yeah, you know, previous <laughs> one nil win. I mean, no goals conceded and Griezmann penalty. I mean, no, I'm kidding, but I think yeah, one nil. Probably score I would for. It would be interesting to see who takes penalties. That's that's for sure. Uh, I, I I'm going to go with a uh, with a two nil win on this one. Yeah. Uh, I think the conditions will be tough, but I think this Iceland team has started to age a little bit. 
I don't know if they have many yeah. young players coming in, so they don't. <laughs> not really. I think we should be beating them pretty easily. Well, anyways, thank you, Adrien, for coming on. It was great to have you on the yeah. Monday show. Good. Thank you, Clinton, as well. Thank Pleasure you so to, uh, much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. And uh, I'll talk to you on next Monday once again. In the meantime, as usual, make sure you follow GFFN on Twitter for all the latest French football news. And you can check out our website as well, getfootballnewsfrance.com. There's plenty of uh, interesting content there. Recently, an interview by Jeremy Smith of former Rennes, Toulouse and Guingamp player Etienne Didot. Interesting, very interesting stuff, as always, with Jeremy. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.